The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 28, your March Madness edition, and tonight I am joined by Bobby Riggs. Riggs, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. You can, uh, those of you that don't know him, he joined me uh, at the beginning of the college basketball season. You can find him on Twitter at Barstool Riggs. Uh, he's their college basketball, you know, I guess writer. He covers it all for him. He's putting stuff out almost every day, if not multiple times a day. Um, he's tweeting like crazy. He's your college basketball guy if you need him. Uh, tons of good info. Uh, since the brackets have come out, he's had a lot to say and um, definitely had to have him on for this podcast. So looking forward to this, Jenk. Thanks for uh, for joining me, man. This should be a ton of fun. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a, as you know, when the brackets come out, everybody is an expert. Everybody has an opinion. Um, so let's – I want to hear yours. Let's start it out with uh, the top four seeds in the country, and this is already one of the topics that everyone is complaining about. You have Nova's the overall number one, Kansas number two, Carolina three, and Gonzaga four. Um, where do you agree and where do you disagree with the top four teams in the country according to the committee? I was fine with it. I had the same four as my top, my top line. Uh, I had Gonzaga as the – I think I, I think if I was writing them one to four, I think I had Villanova as my one. I think I had Carolina maybe as my two. Gonzaga is my three. Kansas is my four. But in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of irrelevant because uh, they all stay close to home. Uh, they don't really follow the S curve, so it's not a huge deal. I mean, Final Four, I guess it, it matters if all four one seeds make it, but they're all so comparable to me. It's irrelevant. Um, but I, I was 100% agree with the top, top line. Yeah. So you, you definitely agree. Nova's the top team in the nation. And, um, the big, the big thing I'm, uh, I'm hearing from a lot of people is people arguing Carolina should not be a one seed. Um, and others yeah, that's should, dumb. that's just dumb. Okay. Okay, like it, good, good. it won the ACC regular season, which is, I mean, it's the best conference in America. I know Ken Palm said the Big 12 is, but I think everyone would agree the ACC is the best best conference in America. They challenged themselves in the non-conference. Um, you know, they lost in the semis to the AC, in the ACC champion, tournament game. I, I mean, who do you put above them? Like, I agree. That's, that's my question is who do you put above them? Uh, mm-hmm. To me, they're the most complete team in the country. So if you're honoring, like, the best teams in the country, there's no way Carolina's not a one seed. 
No, I'm not arguing with you. I, I think they're the best. It's like so so they slipped up on one night and they lost, like you said, to the team that won the tournament. So you're 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 gonna punish them for losing to the team that ended up winning the thing. Right. Big deal. right. Yeah, and, I, didn't, and, I didn't have a problem at all. Like like I said, I would have a bigger problem if they weren't a one seed. I really didn't like the well, they have seven losses. Yeah, I hate looking at records. Like, records are almost irrelevant to me because there's they don't tell you anything. They just tell you what games you won and lost, but it doesn't say who you beat, who you lost to, where you won, where you lost. So, I mean, it's people get caught up in records, and it's just not a good thing to get caught up in. Well, yeah, you look at the seven. You look at the seven losses, and most of them. Are, if you want to put the, the the bad term quality losses there, um, and then they want to replace them with like say Duke. Well, Duke has eight losses, so then your argument's completely out the freaking window right out the gate. So, yeah, totally agree. Um, Moving on to, um, let's say, the last, you know, everyone's got the bubble teams, the last four in. Last four in, according to the committee, is Wake Forest, Kansas State, USC, Providence. Um, so you got teams like Syracuse, Illinois State, Iowa, Cal, many others. Um, do you agree with the last four in? We'll start with that. Do you agree with the last four in? Yeah, I don't get caught up on the bubble because bubble teams are average. Like, they're not good teams. Don't lose to a garbage team, win one more game than you should, you know, and then you did, and you're not even in, like, you're, then you're not getting talked about being on the bubble. Um, I have no problem with it. The teams that got left out, I was fine leaving them out. I didn't have Syracuse in. I didn't have Illinois State in. Didn't have Cal in. Uh, I had Wake in. I had Kansas State in. Uh, USC was kind of whatever to me. Uh, Providence I had in. So, I, it doesn't bother me. I, like, to me, again, there's no real snubs. Um, because if you're a better than average team, you're not on the bubble. So just win win games, and you don't have to worry about it. Like that's what I get, that's what kind of pisses me off is when people get so caught up in this, where it's like, well, you know, they got snubbed, and it's like, no, they didn't. Like Illinois State lost to San Francisco, Tulsa, and um, uh, they lost to another like a team they shouldn't have, another battle, Murray State, and it's just like win one of those games, and you're not you're not talking about being snubbed. You know, Syracuse, don't lose to Boston College. Don't lose to St. John's. Don't lose to Georgetown. Um, it's So, I don't know. I don't spend too much time in the bubble. I've kind of done that the last couple of years where I've gotten away from who got snubbed on the bubble and everything like that. Just win, like just take care of business and you don't have to worry. We're, like, we're arguing average teams. I get more upset about the seedings and, and that and miss seedings than I do of who got in and who got out. Because rarely, I mean, yeah, you can yell about Syracuse last year and VCU in 2011, you know, being a bubble team that got in and made a run. It's so rare. Like, it's just rare. No, and that, that's actually – I've never – I don't know why I've never even thought of it that way, but when you break it down like that, it's actually pretty simple. And it it makes a ton of sense. And, and I wasn't trying to downgrade it by saying simple, but it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. If you just think of it that way, because in the grand scheme of things, yeah, we're, we're sitting here bitching and complaining about bubble teams, but really, who is going to, are any of them ever going to compete for it? No. And in like a team like Illinois State, wouldn't they be better off going to an NIT and playing maybe two or three games than going one and done, maybe two and done in, in the NCAA? I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. Like, they're, you're always better make an NCAA tournament because, just because it's something you can say. Like, hey, it's all this exposure, you, you know. It's out there, but again, like it's just it's just irrelevant to me. To people love looking at the bubble because 
well, you don't have the chance to make a run. If you're inside the bubble, you have a chance to make a run, which is, I guess, all you can ask for. But I, I concentrate more on the seedings and everything like that just because that matters more. Like, the bubble, like I said, you're arguing average teams. Don't lose to a shit team and beat someone that you – and win one more game and you're fine. Okay. Uh, well, since you're since you're mad about the seedings, did you want to go and do you want to talk about the seedings now, or do you want to do it when we talk about each region? Uh, we can do whatever whatever way you want. I'm sure I'll get fired up again. Okay, we'll just wait till we because we'll talk about seeds in the regions. We'll do it region by region. Then when we do that, um, first off, we'll do kind of a broad spectrum here. Uh, we got, we already mentioned the top overall seeds. Um, out of the four regions. There's a couple people saying, you know, X region's pretty cupcakey, and then another region's really, really tough, and everyone's always saying that to you. Who got the raw end of the deal as a top seed, and who's got the easy way out, so on and so forth? I think the West is the easy side. Um, Gonzaga kind of has a nice walk to the Sweet 16. Um, Northwestern and Vanderbilt are, are nice matchups for them. Uh, they now in the Sweet 16 they could stumble against like Notre Dame could beat Gonzaga, but I don't know if Notre Dame gets past Princeton or so that's kind of a, a weird situation. But I like you know Gonzaga has a nice little walk. Arizona has a nice setup where um, they get St. Mary's or VCU, and then they get to stay out west and get a, you know assume seats old. You get Florida State in the Sweet 16. Florida State hasn't been good away from home, and you're bringing them out west. So I kind of like the West for the top two seats. I think that sets up nicely for them. Uh, in terms of who got a raw deal, and I'll say this: Carolina got a really nice deal to get to the Elite Eight. Like they have Arkansas, Seton Hall, Minnesota, Butler, Middle Tennessee State, Winthrop. Like that is not a great top half of the bracket, but the bottom half of that bracket is absolutely loaded. The Kentucky, I think, got the worst draw um, out of when you look at the top seeds because. They have to play, they're either going to play a really good Dayton team or a really underseeded Wichita State team uh, in, in a second round. And then after that, you're, if seeds hold, you get UCLA. So just to get to the final four for a two seed, and this is where the S curve kind of bothers me. Like Kentucky was number five on the S curve. So they're, in theory, the best two seed. And you have to go Dayton, Wichita State, UCLA, Carolina just to get to the final four. Like that's a brutal draw. Um, you know, I, I, you know, Kentucky, I think, has a huge complaint about that. Louisville, it makes sense they have a tough draw because they were number, they were the last two seed. But Michigan, Oklahoma State, like those are two dangerous 7 10 teams. Um, I think that's a tough matchup for them. Uh, they match up a lot better against Oklahoma State than Michigan just because Michigan takes care of the ball. Um, so that's that's a tough draw. You know, the other one seeds, Kansas, you know, if they get Miami, that could be a tough game. Miami matches up well against Kansas. Uh, and then the Sweet 16 is not an easy game. Like the Iowa State, Nevada, one of those, I, I think one of those two teams come out of that little pod. That's not an easy draw in the Sweet 16. Villanova, I mean, if you swap Virginia for Minnesota, Villanova fans are probably thrilled at that draw. Virginia could give them some troubles. Um, but to me, it's that that bottom half when you look at Kentucky as a top two seed, you know, you look at top two seats. I think Kentucky got the probably the toughest draw to to get out of the region, uh, where Gonzaga, Arizona, probably the easiest. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's uh, let's start looking uh, region by region. We'll kick it off with the East region, the top seeded Villanova Wildcats. You got 
Nova's one. You mentioned uh, Duke two, Baylor three, and Florida four. We won't go through the whole thing, but um, we'll start with the top half, the Nova's top half. Um, one of the seeds, and I've seen you mention it, Wisconsin got an eight seed, and yep. I'm not going to be any bias here at all because they played horrible down the stretch. I Part of me says I don't even want them in the tournament because it's been so ugly, but you know if they figure it out, they're scary still to this day, but I just don't have any faith in them figuring it out because they've just been so bad. But um, if there's any team that can do it, the talent is there. It's just I don't know where it went. Right. Um, it's just mind-boggling. But like Florida's a scary team at times, and it turns it on. Um, it's an interesting top half of the bracket for Nova to go through. Um, let's just start with that top half. Who, like, what do you see taking place there to get to the Sweet 16? Honestly, they match up better with Wisconsin than they do Virginia Tech. Um, what gives Villanova troubles are guards that can just kind of spread them out and take them off the dribble. Um, you know, like a Cat Barber from NC State gave them troubles. Um, so, you know, in the year before that, when they lost to UConn, you know, Shabazz and Boatwright, kind of those, you know, quick guards that can just take you off the dribble. Well, Wisconsin doesn't really have that. Um, and, you know, I think they've kind of – Villanova has kind of quieted that. Well, look at, look at the big guy that, that's on the team. You know, they beat big guys every year. <laughs> like, that's just – that's kind of a myth. So, to me, I think they almost want to see Wisconsin more than Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech has, like, a Seth Allen uh, that can take them off the dribble. Uh, Zach Lede can give them problems. Um, so, I like Villanova's draw to the Sweet 16. Could they stumble? Sure. Wisconsin has the talent. To me, they were top 10 team heading into the year. Um, so, you know, could they catch hot? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Kind of like a Kentucky back in 14 where it just clicks at the end of the year. Now, Wisconsin doesn't have the same type of talent as that 14 year Kentucky. But if they, if it, if they, if they made a run, it would not shock me. I, I'll say that. Um and then, man, that Sweet 16 is going to be a tough matchup. I think Vill- Villanova, though, gets to the Sweet 16. Okay. And um, any upset chances with, like, the 5-12 or the 4-13 there? Virginia, Wilmington, Florida, East Tennessee State. You seen anything to – basically, out of those four, who's Villanova? Who do you have Villanova seeing there? Yeah, a lot of people have been throwing out those upsets. Um, UNC Wilmington runs a so- style similar to Louisville. Like, they're nearly identical to Louisville. Well, the problem is Virginia beats Louisville every time they play. Like, Virginia just thrives playing against them. So, a lot of people are picking UNC Wilmington there, and I get it. UNC Wilmington's a really good team. Kevin Keats is an awesome coach. But Virginia loves playing against that system. Like, they always do well. So, I think they get – you know, I don't think there's an upset there. Um, Florida, East Tennessee State, there are some questions because Florida doesn't have uh, their big guy, Igbunu. Um, but – you know, like TJ Cromer for East Tennessee State is a, is a really good guard. The question is, can Florida's – are Florida's guards athletic enough to, to stick on him and not let these guys get into the paint? If there's an upset, I would look there more than UNC Wilmington over Virginia. Ultimately, I think it's going to be Villanova, Virginia in this week 16. Nice. And the bottom half, um, Duke, your two seed against Troy. Uh, you got South Carolina, Marquette, Baylor, New Mexico State, and then SMU against the play-in game. Um, Duke's riding the hot hand the last few weeks to a month have been on fire. Marquette's a sneaky team. South Carolina, you know, at one point was actually near the top of the SEC and falling apart. And you have mm-hmm. Baylor, SMU won the AAC. 
um, some interesting teams in that bottom half of the bracket. How do you see that bottom half playing out? I, to me, I think, honestly, it's a boring half of the bracket. Um, like, I just think SMU, Baylor, South Carolina, they're just boring teams. Uh, not to say they aren't good, they're just boring. Um, I think Duke's going to get out of there, though. I think Duke, you know, the one thing they can slip, South Carolina may give them trouble because it's in South Carolina. Um, South Carolina's physical. Uh, they have good guards and Dozier and, and uh, Sundarius Thornwell. There could be trouble there, but ultimately I think Duke gets out of there. Um, in the top half, I'd like to see Providence play SMU. I think Providence would give a better game to SMU. USC actually beat SMU earlier this year, but I, I'd like to see Providence play SMU. Um, you know, Baylor-SMU would be an interesting game. Baylor has that height. SMU has no height, no depth. But Baylor struggled recently, so I, SMU could get to the Sweet 16. I think I might like Baylor there, though. Um, so that's, that's kind of a game to watch if both the three and six advance, but I think Duke's, I think Duke's coming out of that half. Duke's out of that half, um, out of the East, who do you have in there? The elite eight and the final four. I think it's going to be Duke Villanova. Uh, and I think Duke gets to the final four. All right. Moving on to the Midwest region, the top half, this is the Kansas region, uh, Kansas, against the play-in of the 16. Then an interesting, you always have to worry about Izzo, Izzo in March. I know it's not a typical Izzo team, obviously, but you never know with Izzo. Kansas coming off that interesting, interesting loss to TCU. Um, I would expect them to bounce back, but you never know. Um, Like you mentioned earlier, Iowa State, Nevada, very, very intriguing basketball game. Um, and, And then Purdue, Vermont, that top half, it's a sneaky that Nevada Iowa State game. Very much looking forward to that. What do you have going on in the top half in the Midwest? Yeah, so that that top half is gonna be real intriguing. I really wish the this is where I wish the seating was correct, and Iowa State was the four and Purdue was the five, because uh, cool. I think Nevada would catch Purdue and Iowa State would beat Vermont, and then you get Iowa State Nevada in that round of thirty two game. Um, but the committee did what they did. I don't agree with Purdue as a four. I would switch. State now, Iowa State and Nevada are similar teams, and Purdue and Vermont are similar teams. So you kind of get mirror images in that first round. I think Purdue gets out though because they're just a better version of Vermont. Uh, Iowa State, Nevada. I think Iowa State gets out, but that Nevada has a trio that are that are high major players. I think that team going to be closer than what it thinks, but I still like Iowa State just because I, I think Monty Morris since I could. Um, I think I would say gets to the Sweet 16. That top half, I think Kansas gets to the Sweet 16. But uh, like I said, if they catch Miami, Miami could give them trouble. Uh, Michigan State won't give Kansas trouble at all. Uh, but I think Kansas gets to the Sweet 16 against Iowa State up there. Yeah, I see Kansas riding the ship. That, that I have a feeling Bill Self had a lot of fun after that loss to TCU. Um, the bottom half, uh, led by Louisville, the two, and Oregon, the three seed. Um, Oregon – out west, I get to watch them a lot. They're a fun team to watch. Um, then you have Creighton, Rhode Island, Iona, Michigan, who, you know, the whole plane crash story made a hell of a run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, what do you see going on in the bottom half of the Midwest region? Yeah, that's a weird bottom half. Like, there could be some chaos there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Rhode Island catches Creighton in the first round. If you're looking for an upset, there's your 11 over a 6. Um I think Oregon, you know, even without Boucher, gets past Iona. Uh, 
that Michigan Oklahoma State game is my favorite game of the of the first round. I don't know who wins that. Like I'm really struggling with that game. Ultimately, I think Oklahoma State wins, but that's they're Oklahoma State should not be a ten seed. Like they're way better than a ten seed. Um, and then Louisville. I think Louisville gets out of there though. Um, but those, I mean, those second round matchups are going to be real interesting. Like Rhode Island definitely can give Oregon trouble. Michigan, Oklahoma State could give Louisville trouble. Like, I, ultimately, I think you know Louisville gets out. Oregon gets to stay out west, so they they might catch Rhode Island on that. So I think you might see kind of a chalk with two, three there too. But I, I think Louisville gets out of that bottom half. I, I really like this Louisville team. Yeah, that Louisville team's uh, sneaky good. Uh, but Patino's got it going on there. Um, what do you see as your lead eight and your final four in the Midwest? I think it's ultimately going to be Louisville versus – I think it's going to be Kansas. I'm somewhat inclined to go Iowa State. I think it's going to be Kansas, though. I think Louisville gets out of that that region, though. I think Louisville's in the final four. Nice. So we got two two-seeds so far in the final four. Um, and and that's those are the first upsets. You've also given out people pay attention there. Rhode Island, he even likes Oklahoma State, but if you – you don't really consider that an upset seating wise. That's just the committee being the committee, you say. Um, let's move on to the South. North Carolina, the one seed. Arkansas, Seton Hall, Minnesota. This one, <laughs> okay. Can can you explain to me how Minnesota is a five seed? Yeah, you know, I think they should be a six seed. Like, I'm not outraged they're a five seed. The six seed makes more sense to me, but it, I think people are acting like they should be a nine or 10 seed. Their non-conference is a lot better than what people think. Um, when you when you go and look at them, uh, let me pull it up. Like they have wins over like they're thirty third on Ken Palm. So if you like the analytics, they're they're decent decently up there. But they have wins over UT Arlington, Mount St. Mary's, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Like they went out. They're not blow you away wins, but their wins against they beat the best of the mid majors, which is all you ask for. Um, that's why I say, like, you know, for teams, go do that. Go play the teams that were in the tournament the year before or who you think is going to win, like, you know, the MAC or the uh, NEC or, you know, those kind of mid-major conferences, the Atlantic Sun. Go play those teams. Like, that goes a long way because you're beating tournament teams. Um, so Minnesota, like, I, I don't have a huge outrage over them as a five. I had them as a six. So it's a seat up, but it's not like it's – it's way out of left field. Um, and then you look at their their conference. They won at Purdue. You know, they they beat Michigan. They beat Indiana. I mean, they have some – they have one bad loss. Or they, they have two bad losses. They lost at Ohio State. They lost at Penn State. In this year, like, so many teams have that, that it's not massive, like – like I said, I had them as a six seed. I don't think there's a huge, huge outrage with them as a five. Okay. I was just curious because I, I know they're a good basketball team. I've watched enough of them. I'm just curious how it comes out. They're like the second – according to the committee, they're the second best in the Big Ten is almost what it comes out as, and that's where it kind yeah. of took me by surprise. I, I mean, they, like, have a better, they have a better non-conference in Wisconsin, and they got wins at Purdue and at Maryland. So I know a lot of people are like one of that. Like, yeah, I think Wisconsin's the more talented and probably better team, but Minnesota is a better resume. 
Oh, again, I agree. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to take a favorite because I think Wisconsin is playing so bad right, right now. But right. I, like other teams, I agree should probably be ahead of Minnesota at points. But I was just I was surprised. Like if they were a six or a seven, and still the second best, I could probably I'd be better off with it. Like you're saying, if they're a six or something. The right. five kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Yeah, but that was all it was. It was it wasn't necessarily a slight against Minnesota as much as wow how the heck did they get that high up there right no no I get it but I, I mean I got asked that on Twitter no less than probably 15 times yesterday yeah no I, I believe it um but it's always something with the committee um well how like that 512 with Middle Tennessee and then the 413 with Butler Winthrop those look like they could both potentially be some pretty interesting games uh, let alone Arkansas Seton Hall what do you see the top half looking like there in the south I mean, it's a cakewalk for Carolina. Like, Carolina should not stumble in this at all. I think Seton Hall beats Arkansas. Now, Seton Hall can challenge Carolina because uh, Angel Delgado's that good on the interior. Um, they just don't have the horses to run with Carolina all game. But Angel Delgado is really damn good. Uh, and he's, to me, the most underappreciated player in the country. Um Carolina's cakewalking to the to the lead eight though, but I think I think Seton Hall beats Arkansas. If you're looking at just pure seed upsets, I hate saying that because I you know like you, yeah. upsets are what Vegas tells me upsets are, not not the committee. But exactly, yeah, I think seed upsets Seton Seton Hall over Arkansas. I think Middle Tennessee State catches Minnesota. Minnesota. I you know I don't know what's going on with this Akeem Springs injury. Um, Middle Tennessee is not a great matchup for Minnesota, uh, and if Springs is out. I like Middle Tennessee there. I think Winthrop plays Butler close, mm-hmm. but you know the line's like twelve. I, I would I'm going to be on Winthrop's side on that. Um, I think Winthrop plays it really close. It would not surprise me if they're winning with like eight minutes to go. But I think Butler ultimately survives, and uh, and you see like North Carolina Butler Sweet Sixteen. Um, but I, I think you'll see a lot of that's where you can kind of get chaotic, where the twelve and thirteen win or something like that. Yeah, just ask Duke about Winthrop in the tournament. It's lots of fun. Um, uh, let's look at the uh, bottom half of the South. And uh, this, I really hope it plays out to a, uh, well, like you said, Kentucky's second-round matchup could be scary. Yeah. Well, it, should be, it should be scary regardless of how that, whoever they play. But um, I really hope the three seed comes out and plays Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Um, three seed being UCLA. Uh, how do you see the bottom half getting to the Sweet 16? I mean, you want to talk about a shit show of a bottom half. It t- like, literally just throw a dart. I, I mean, Kentucky, is Kentucky the best team? Yes. Um, but, like I, like I mentioned with that draw, like, Dayton is a really good team. They're really good defensively. Um, it would not shock – like, everyone's automatically putting Wichita State, Kentucky in that, that round of 32. I would not be surprised at all if Dayton's there. So I don't I don't know who I'm gonna take in that game yet. I haven't really delved into it, but like I said, it wouldn't shock me if Dayton beats Wichita State. I think ultimately though, we do see Kentucky UCLA in the in the Sweet 16. Um I'm curious to see the Kansas State Wake Forest winner. If you're Cincinnati, I think you want to play Kansas State. I think Wake Forest could give Cincinnati a lot of trouble. Um, if Wake Forest wins, it would not shock me if they beat Cincinnati. So I think you see Kentucky UCLA in in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at these brackets right here. If you live 
within driving distance of Indianapolis, you need to go watch basketball. Uh, you have Michigan, Oklahoma State, Louisville, Jacksonville State, Dayton, Wichita State, and Kentucky, Northern Kentucky. Um, you have some really good basketball to watch. Yeah, those ticket so, prices uh, are going to be outrageous. Oh, yeah, no, definitely are. And uh, But, damn, that's some good basketball. Um, okay, back to the South. Uh, so, your Sweet 16, you have Carolina. And Carolina's in the lead eight no matter what for me. Like, it's no a no-brainer putting them in the lead eight. And then you have UCLA, Kentucky, most likely in the Sweet 16. And that game alone will be – that could potentially be better than some of these Elite Eight Final Four games. Yeah. Just athletically up – well, didn't they already play once? They played once this yeah, year. Yeah, they played at Rupp and, and yeah, uh, UCLA. like 100-something, 100-something. Yeah, it was a high-scoring game. I mean, it was, a, it was one of the best games of the, of the year. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was awesome. Yeah, um, I'd love to see that again. What do you got on that one? <laughs> Part of – like, if I'm – Trying to be smart, I'd probably put UCLA in the lead eight against Carolina just because I like their second-round matchup a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, you wonder if maybe Kentucky's I, – I, I like Kentucky better than UCLA. I, I think they're really close. They're really comparable. But yeah, I think – Yeah, it's – you know, it'll be more of a home game for Kentucky. But we saw UCLA win at Rupp earlier this year. Um, but I think you're kind of starting to see Kentucky click at the right time. Um, if they can get Bam, Monk, and Fox playing well all at the same time, I think they're the best team in this region. Um, not the most complete because Carolina's the most complete, but in terms of just pure talent, they'd be the best. So if you ask me to be smart, I'd probably put UCLA in the lead eight against Carolina. But if you're asking me to kind of take a guess on who's the best, I'll, I'll put Kentucky there. But I, I guess if I'm filling out, I'm probably putting UCLA in the lead eight. And then for your final four? Again, I think, again, being smart, I think you want to put Carolina there because, really, they just have to win one game. Yeah. Like, I, I think see. they're. I think it's a cakewalk to lead eight. You just have to worry about winning that one game. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll go Carolina just to be be safe. All right. That takes but us out. Really, I mean, there, there's, yeah. there's real legit three options to get to the final four there. Yeah, the top three seeds, basically. All right, let's head out west to the Gonzaga region. Um, the Zags, we'll see if they can actually hold their seed for once. They uh, they blew it last time around. Um, their top half's interesting. A lot of people are liking Notre Dame and West Virginia in their top half, and rightfully so, good clubs. But they also have some interesting first-round matchups against Princeton and Bucknell. Everyone's pumped on Northwestern getting their first invite as well. Um, how do you see the top half of the West region playing out? Yeah, I think Gonzaga gets out of there. Um, the, you know, you look at, like, like West Virginia Bucknell. Bucknell's a good team, but they're a team that doesn't match up well against West Virginia. Bucknell turns the ball over, like, 220th most in the country, um, which just plays in West Virginia's hands, obviously. Notre Dame-Princeton would be an interesting matchup. They're very, very similar teams. Notre Dame's just a better version of Princeton. Um, but it's going to come down to shooting. And I, I trust Notre Dame a little bit more there. I think that'll be a really close game. Um, and then Notre Dame is a terrible matchup for West Virginia. I think Notre Dame beats West Virginia almost easily. And then, uh, like I, so Gonzaga, Notre Dame up there in that, that top half, Sweet 16. Excellent. And then the bottom half, um, you know, Florida State, Florida Gulf Coast, St. Mary's VCU uh, on paper I think could be entertaining. And Arizona, North Dakota, Arizona, obviously, well, obviously, but should get out of there pretty easily. 
I'd like to watch Arizona St. Mary's. Like you already said, Arizona should make it through there. Um, how do you see the bottom half playing out? Yeah, I think Arizona's automatically in the Sweet 16 for me. Uh, VCU has to go out west to yeah. play St. Mary's. That's not an easy, you know, that's not easy for anybody. We saw Seton Hall have to do it last year with Gonzaga. Um, you know, I think Maryland Xavier might be the most, the second most boring first round matchup after Arkansas Seton Hall. Uh, you know, when you're not talking like one sixteens, but in terms of just like, you know, this game is just kind of there. Like it's two just really average teams. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really chalky region. So, you know, I think it's easily Florida State, Arizona in the in the Sweet 16. So if I buy tickets to drive an hour to San Jose, I'm looking at Gonzaga against Notre Dame and Florida State versus Arizona. I would say, I would say you're pretty safe. I would, like, I would be, I mean, it, maybe if you throw in West Virginia, but I would be surprised to see like a, a double digit seed out there or an eight, you know, or one of the eight, nine teams, something like that. I'm not complaining about that game. What do you have for the Elite Eight? It's It's got to be Gonzaga, Arizona. Like I said, Florida State struggles away from home. You send them out west against a, a really good Arizona team. Uh, and then Gonzaga, Notre Dame, That's that would be a really good game. Notre Dame could catch Gonzaga, but I like Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is the second most complete team in the country. And they get them out west. Um, you know, they, they could give Notre Dame some – problems by playing through the paint and and kicking out but so I think you see Gonzaga Arizona in the in the lead eight that I would love to see yeah that'd be great because I traveled to the Staples Center last year to watch Gonzaga Wisconsin elite eight and Arizona travels like crazy so that yep. place was like 80 percent Arizona and Wisconsin travels too but Arizona just trumped them San Jose is not that far for them either but Gonzaga would travel very well that place will be rocking. Uh, San Jose is about 17, 5, 18,000 people. That'll be chaos in that place. Um, who would you have in a Gonzaga, Arizona Elite Eight? I have Gonzaga getting out of there. I think they finally break the curse and get to the final four. Um, but man, that would that's a complete toss up game. That's a complete toss up game. <laughs> I, I just I'll just go with Gonzaga. Uh, like I said, I, I've been kind of on them all year. I, I'm kind of just sticking to it at that point. No, I like that a lot. Um, real quick before we get to your predictions for the whole cha-cha, um, you kind of mentioned uh, a couple upsets earlier. If you just had to kind of – we're not talking just you know first-round upsets. If you had to pick a couple lower seeds, say six seed or lower, that might go on a little bit of a run to get to the Sweet 16 or, or better – what are a couple teams to keep an eye on for uh, the people out there? Uh, Rhode Island, I think they could kind of get lucky catching Creighton and then an injured Oregon team. Um, that wouldn't necessarily shock me. Nevada, um, you know, if they catch Iowa State, I think they get to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, uh, then Dayton, Wichita State, they're both good teams. That wouldn't shock me if they upset Kentucky. Um those are kind of the teams that I'd be watching. All right. Um, that'll take us to the final four. You have Duke versus Gonzaga and Louisville versus UNC. Who's your title game? Who's your champion? And who's your player of the tournament? Yeah, I have Gonzaga over Louisville in the title game. Um, and I have Nigel Williams-Goss winning MOP. 
Nice. So the Zags finally do it after all the criticism for year after year after year. That'd be good to see. I really hope they I don't love it because I feel like now everyone's picking Gonzaga because nobody's picking Gonzaga. And I kind of don't like that everyone's starting to get on that train. Yeah, but like you say, you're mentioning that, and then we go through this, and I can already see people saying that, you know, chalk this or chalk that. But I want to tell people something is like everyone, because I've heard, I heard a couple other shows today and everything, is people like want to like pick upsets, upsets, upsets. Go ahead and pick your first round upsets, but if you look at brackets, the um, as they say, cream rises to the top. By the Sweet 16, Elite 8, majority of your seeds are the chalk. It's how it works, people. Yeah, well, no one wants – like, nobody wants to watch that either. Everyone wants to watch the first round upset, but when you get to yeah. the Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, like, nobody wants George Mason VCU again. Everybody wants, everybody wants Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, Wisconsin. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I got. I, I've, I've been filling them out, and people go, "Oh, you're like all favorites, and this is that." I'm like, "No." First off, like you said, go look at the Vegas lines. I bet you some of these are actually dogs in Vegas. Right. Um, and second off, it's just not the way it works. But um, yeah, it'd be really cool if Gonzaga could pull it off. That'd be great to see. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, I just I was thinking about it while we were talking here, going over all these teams, and I heard it earlier today. What do you think the reasoning is that there are fewer and fewer mid-major at large bids? Like, we had a good run there for a while. You get a couple from the Missouri Valley every year and a couple from a few other conferences, and now it seems like it's becoming – I know, like, you know, Creighton and those schools left and everything, so that's probably the logical answer. But um, is there anything else to it besides just that? I mean, that's the main thing is, is these – quote, mid-majors are no longer mid-majors. Like, Gonzaga's not a mid-major. Creighton's not a mid-major. Xavier's not a mid-major. Wichita State's really not even a mid-major anymore. Um, so these, you know, quote, mid-majors are just aren't mid-majors anymore. And then, to, I mean, the leagues were just down this year. Like, the Missouri Valley sucked this year. The Americans sucked this year. The A-10, not that good this year. Um, you know, a lot of these conferences that – typically get those quote mid-majors in they just weren't good this year so I, I don't think it's a trend it's just a year year by year thing this year the middle of the middle of the road major conference teams were better than the second third place mid-major teams it's just how it worked out so but yeah I mean most of it is the fact that just you know like the Creightons the Xaviers the Dayton's the Wichita State's the Gonzaga's they're just not mid-majors anymore yeah, I said that's probably the logical answer, which it was, apparently. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask you was you you said you did, you really didn't vent much after we talked about it. Did you want to get anything else out about the um, the seedings? Like, I was kind of curious. You, you had a big thing, and you didn't say much else. Man, they, you- just, they just need to figure out what the hell they're doing because here's the thing. The geography, yeah, it's cool for the first two rounds, like keep the guys close to home. Once you get to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, the teams that are making that are more often than not traveling by charter plane, having their own jets, everything like that. People travel. Nobody cares. Like, Kentucky doesn't care if they play in California or Memphis. They care about who they play. Um, so they, I, I, don't, I just don't understand why you don't go to the S-curve there. It just, why have an S-curve if you're not going to use it? That's true. Like you said, if Kentucky was the fifth overall seed, how are they playing in the third overall seeds 
conference or a bracket. Yeah, it just doesn't so make sense. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the tweet. I tweeted out today what the what the S curve would look like if you if they actually used it, and you know there was like one change you had to make where there was a, where there was a conference problem. So let me pull. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, yeah. So if you use the S curve, where the hell did it go? If you use the S curve. For this year's tournament, just like say the top sixteen, because that's really who you want to focus on, or the top four seats. Like, and then from there you just kind of fill out. So in the East it would be Villanova, Louisville, Oregon, Purdue. The Midwest would be Kansas, Duke, UCLA, Florida. The South would be Carolina, Zona, Florida State, West Virginia, and the West would be Gonzaga, Kentucky, Baylor, Butler. To me, that just sounds more correct than these brackets. Yeah, way more competitive, and like it just yeah, it sounds way way better. It's more balanced. It, it, mm-hmm. it if you're a higher seed, it gives you that advantage. Um, like what w- wouldn't most higher seeds take those over this, except for maybe Gonzaga and Arizona? Like it just yeah, do- like- it just doesn't make sense why you have this S curve. Like I said, you can still keep them in the pods for the first two rounds, and really just do the S curve for the first sixteen. But it just doesn't make like I'm just dumbfounded year after year of you know the West. This is the first year the West Coast schools have more than like one good team. Mm-hmm. The West is traditionally a weak region. They need to they just need to fix that. No, that makes sense. I, I that's why I wanted to hear it because I knew you were uh, you were tweeting like crazy about it the last day and a half now. So I wanted to I wanted to hear it out. I wanted to hear it uh, firsthand. So. Yeah. It totally makes sense. I agree because you're not the only person I've seen mention it. And um, it's a yearly occurrence with the committee. It just never ends. It, so, yeah, it's, it's every year. And then I love, like, I've seen all the Ken Palm tweets. They say they use them, but then, well, if they used them, why did they use his rankings here, but they ranked them over here? <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, even, they, they, there needs to be more transparency. Like, what are they determining to be? seats that's where i'm just a little confused by yeah yeah well as long as like i said earlier the cliche term if the cream rises to the top it won't matter like you said bubble teams are bubble teams these lower seeds are lower seeds it won't matter um if these good teams are the ones that end up being the sweet 16 elite eight we'll be just fine um yep exactly so like you said those are the games we want to see anyways so when the second weekend rolls around we get our matchups we want. We'll be just fine. Yeah, that's um, all. That's all you hope for. Well, it's fun. If I, I'd be down for Duke, Gonzaga, Louisville, UNC, or some combination of something like that, be down as heck. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that, it. That'd be a great final four. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, did you have any anything else you'd like to uh, the plug or anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this bad boy up? No, just you know, follow Twitter, follow read, you know, read Barstool, and that, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, guys, uh, follow follow him on Twitter, Barstow Regs, R-E-A-G-S. You know, he's always tweeting out valuable stuff. Like I said, he like this time of year, he's got one or two articles a day, if not just during the down season of basketball. It's at least a couple a week. He's always got stuff coming out, good information on uh, college basketball, tons of stuff. And he's a, he's a DFS degenerate in other sports too. So if you like DFS sports, he'll play that as well. Um, 
tons of fun stuff. Riggs, always a pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. Uh, everybody, this was Benched with Bubba, episode 28, your March Madness preview edition. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.